We're going to just talk to you this morning a little bit about this season, um, how important it is that the whole world stops at this time of the year. It doesn't matter what country you go to and what type of traditions they have, everything is focused on the birth of Christ. And regardless if you're a believer here tonight or not, there's one thing about the uniqueness about this. You know, I was thinking while we were in the different types of songs and things we had this morning, a lot of people deal with history as things that's always truth, and, and you can base so many things upon history. And I was thinking in America's history, I was thinking of George Washington cr- crossing the Potomac River, and you've seen the pictures of him in front of the boat pushing onward with his long blocks of white hair and his red, white, and blue, which was absolutely not what he had on. But anyway, we have this image of, of what we think was our founding father and what he done for our country. And, and I went back in time and began to think about who Christ was, and what he came as. He wasn't ever painted in a glorious way. Actually, he started from the most humble of of means possible, being born in a barn. If you've ever known anything, I'm going to tell you a little story. There's a gentleman in the church who has several horses, and and he really pampers them. He is a, he's really fanatical about his horses, and and I I remember being out at his house a few times, and and every day he tries to give them fresh water because every, every livestock deserves fresh water, right? Unless you're my livestock, you know. If you're my livestock, you go down to the pond, and I'll fill up the tub you're getting in. There might be a little green mold in the bottom growing, but you're okay. You're a cow. And, uh, but his horses, I've been out there before to fill up his water tank, and, and it has to be clean. You dump it all out, the excess, and you refill it up. You rinse it out and fill it back up. And the first horse that comes, the very first one, when they put their snout into the water, as they begin to breathe, debris starts flaking off their teeth all over the water. So there was nothing sanitary about the manger. There was nothing sanitary about the little, the little uh, I guess you would say, barn that he was born in. But then I fast forwarded through his life, and there was no glimmers of greatness in the eyes of the world, and he was never recognized as some powerful rich man or someone who was popular because of the way he looked or how he dressed or what he drove or, or what he was dressed in or how, how everybody else thought or the gold bracelets on him or the earrings or anything else. He was, he was noticed because of his heart to serve. But the other unique thing about this man is that he went out in a lower fashion than he came in. And when Jesus left this planet, he left, not physically, forever, but at the moment when he died, he was on the cruelest of all forms of of punishment, and it was by crucifixion. One of the greatest things about this season is about giving of ourselves. It's not, and I appreciate so many things that you have done and, and encouraging words and cards and stuff you all have given us because that means so much. But, but Jesus didn't get at those things and, and he endured so many things that many of us would have ever been able to endure and he went out on the death of the cross which is the most humiliating way to die at that time. But I want to go back in time, about 700 years ago, there, there was a couple of prophets. One of them's name was Micah. We're going to read something from the book of Micah here in a moment. But I want you to go back to Isaiah, first of all. And we're going to go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 9. Now, this is an approximate. It may have been a little bit more than 680 years before uh, when this was written. But in Isaiah chapter 9, and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born... And unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. And if you take the comma out, it's Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. 
And when you think about his government, you think about his peace, it's the same thing that dwells here today. You can have peace of mind where there really shouldn't be any peace. He can bring direction in your life where there really shouldn't be any direction because there's something about his counsel. If you go back and you watch him in the life that he, that he had while he was here, his 30-something years, if you ever listened to his counsel, it was amazing. And my mind often goes to the lady who was, was taken in the act of adultery and bought, brought before him and all the religious people, and they'd cast him down. And let me just stop here for a minute. There is never an eye in one of us to give a, a, a degrading look upon anyone who doesn't meet our standards. Because I'm going to be really honest with you, none of us quite meet his standards as well. But this lady was brought and she was cast before him, and his great counsel was this. And it wasn't directed at her. His counsel was that everybody else watching, waiting to see the outcome. And he says to each of us, those of you that are without sin, you cast the first one. You be the first one to begin to ridicule and throw the stones and bring judgment because he was a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There's something about this, and I begin to think about all the underlying truths about this passage. Whenever you have godly people in leadership, godly justice takes place. Because when you have godly people in leadership, it is not about them, it's always about him. And in this season and time in which we are living, it is so paramount in all of our lives that we have learned that life will go on when we are gone. But his truth and his peace and his direction and his understanding can continue on for generations to come. This responsibility, this government, this order of doing things has been passed down to each of us if we will embrace it. You can go back to Isaiah 7. It says, And a virgin shall conceive and have a son. And his name will be called Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if you really wanted to get complicated, how hard would it be to fulfill this prophecy? There's a whole lot of things going on in this, but later we're going to fast forward and we'll go to the, uh, well, let's go to the book of Micah, if you will. In Micah chapter 2, I'm sorry, Micah chapter 5. We have another prophecy that was given, and this prophecy was actually given... Before the time that Isaiah wrote his. In the book of Micah, in chapter 5 and verse 2. But thou, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been from old and from everlasting. And this is talking about the, the Messiah. He will come out of Bethlehem. And you may think, well, what's the big deal? Stay with me, and I'm going to explain this. Because the thing that's so unique about this prophecy, we've had one from him, and about 1,500 years later, we had one from the man of Isaiah, a man called Isaiah. But they both coincide, and the thing is, Isaiah had no idea that Jesus was going to come from Bethlehem, but Micah did. Now, how did he know? I don't know. This is 750 B.C., before Christ, and Isaiah's writings was 680 years before this. And, and sometimes we get caught up in the time. Because we think if God doesn't do things the way we want in the time frame we want, then he's failed us. Friend, his time, he doesn't have time like us. And he sees the end result. And in your life, in my life, we give him ultimatums on times that he needs to meet. And that's not the way he works. This whole storyline had started between 750 and 680 years ago by a man by the name of Isaiah and a man by the name of Micah, who both prophesied that it would come to pass and also would come from Bethlehem. 
Now let me bring it into your life for just a minute. In the book of Luke, we'll go there in just a couple of minutes, but if you'll read the book of Matthew, it says that an angel appeared unto Mary. It says, you're going to be with child, and you shall call his name Jesus. She wasn't even married yet. And, and, and you know the story that, that Joseph still kept her as his wife. He was going to get rid of her because of what had happened. And obviously, how many of y'all believe he believed her in the beginning? This is one of those things where she came and said, honey, I know we're supposed to get married, but I'm pregnant. And I don't care how much he loved her. He looked at her and said, well, honey, I know you didn't get pregnant by me, so I'm going to put you away privately, move you to another area, and kind of abandon you there. But an angel appeared in the hymn, and you can read this in Matthew, but, but there was something else that had to happen, because I want you to stay with me. <clears throat> I promise you we're, we're going to close. The thing that's so unique about these prophecies is when Mary was chosen and Joseph was chosen, they didn't live in Bethlehem. Now, you tell me how in the world God is going to get a couple that he chose to be the father or the mother and the father of Jesus. How is he going to get them from Nazareth down to Bethlehem? And this is what I want to bring your life into this picture for a moment. No, you're not a divine being, and, but the thing about you is that you are a divine being in the sense that you have all eternity. When you were created and you were made, regardless of what race or what your Anything else, what you believe, your religious belief, you were created to never end. Your spirit will never end. And you may think, well, how can, how can that be when that's another subject? But the truth of it is, is that's the way it is. And you may think, well, what does this have to do with me, the prepare, preparation of Jesus to this point? Because the same way that God created a timeline in the life of Jesus six to 700 years earlier, he has created a timeline in your life as well. You may not be the Christ, and you may not be a Redeemer, and you may not be that holy. But I promise you this, there has been a purpose from the moment you were conceived until the time that you give up the ghost and you return back to dirt. There was a timeline of events for your life to be different. I don't believe that God ever created us all this, threw it out in the, in the mix of things and just allowed it to happen. I think there was always a plan. And regardless if you embrace it or you reject it, there's been a plan in your life. I believe in something called divine appointments. And if you go to the book of Luke, the book of Luke in chapter 2, Luke in chapter 2. It's amazing, I didn't even write that down. But God positioned Caesar Augustus into a place in chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a degree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, which is about a hundred miles away, into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, which would go back to Genesis chapter 1. And you can see that this is why... Joseph was picked as the father. That's how Jesus came from the tribe of David, the tribe of Benjamin, and the, the tribe after David, if you will. So verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. We've all heard this. But how critical was it that Caesar Augustus picked a time for everybody to go back to their hometown? 
This wasn't a year-long process. It was so many days they had to be there, and that's why the journey came during the time of the pregnancy, the last trimester, the last two weeks, the last time that she was miserable. And I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever watched the comfort of a, a, a large pregnant lady? Have you ever watched how comfortable they are? I'm going to go back in time. There's a lady in the church here. I've watched different ones over the years. There are different mannerisms, and some blow a lot, some wipe swept, some scratch their belly, some rub their belly, and some of them walk like this. But I'm imagining that, that Mary, the, the, the mother of Jesus, and I'm almost done, Mary, the mother of Jesus, I don't think she was very big, and there's a lady in the church who I'm going to make reference to. Her name is and, and I imagine Mary kind of like Tina, not real tall, kind of short a little bit. And, and if you were ever around Tina with both of her kids, she, she was the most pitiful, don't, don't get offended this thing, not pitiful looking, but pitiful moving. Because she walked like this. It was like every step was a labor. She grinned, a big grin, and you think, oh, she's going to die walking. But could you imagine Tina riding from here almost to St. Louis on the back of a donkey? Could you imagine, could any of you... Ladies who have been pregnant, imagine riding on the back of a donkey, not with a saddle, but setting aside saddle and riding from traveling for 100 miles. No, you can't. If you've ever had a kidney stone or you've ever been going into labor and you're driving, every bump you feel, every moment you hurt, every deep breath, every sigh, every cry, every tear, every, oh, whatever it is, you know I'm miserable. That's exactly where Mary was. And I don't know how close she was to having the baby, but after 100 miles on the back of riding a donkey, I think it just kind of provoked it a little. And this is why I believe that this year in your life is a time for you to open up, for us to open our eyes. God brought something to pass in all of these situations from historical prophecies to the time of Mary and Joseph being chosen by angelic beings speaking to them. And then from that, all of a sudden, in the, in the last trimester, the last month of her pregnancy, there goes out a decree to be taxed. And they had to travel to Bethlehem. There was a lady in the Old Testament, and her name was Esther. And it's in Esther chapter 4, I believe it is. And, and she would come out of nothing. She was raised by her uncle, and, and she didn't have anything that a lot of people had. But one of the things she had is she had a position. <clears throat> and I really want you to pay attention for just a second. Some of you have a position for a purpose. Some of you have a place in your family for a purpose because you're the leader. You're the one that affects everyone. You're the one that sets everything else in motion. And Mordecai was, a, was an encourager, a, a coach, a teacher in the background, but Esther was in a place under the, the power of the king to make a decision. And you can go and read the book. It's simple, it's short, it's a great read. But her uncle said something to her, for such a time as this, you were placed upon the earth. And the same exact reason, whenever Christ came to this earth, he came in, everything was for a set season and for a right time. Now, you and I may not be deliverers, but don't ever underestimate your importance in your family. Because eternity will tell whether you've done what was right, you lived and, and spoke what was right, and you brought the right things into your household. The greatest gift that any man can ever, can ever give, and it's what Jesus said, no greater love can any man have than what? A man lay down his life for his friend. No greater impact can you and I have than to give our lives to our families. Period. Jesus went to Calvary on behalf of all of us. That's why he done it. I'm going to ask my granddaughter to come up, wherever Maisie is. Is she still in, she still in here? Come on up here, Maisie. Won't you come and have a seat? 
trying to find a microphone if it's not real obvious. Can anyone find me a, a microphone for her to use? Anybody who would possibly know? Mary Beth, thank you, Mary Beth. I'm going to close with one more thought. Oh. Okay. This is Maisie. And um, her and I sing a lot. And she sings a lot. She inherited a, a really unique gift that I have to make up your own words as you go kind of thing. And uh, so we're going to try to sing this. It's going to be brief. But one of the things I want to bring your attention in closing on is in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 16. Thank you, Mary Beth. Um, those of you who really know Mary, uh, Beth Shaver, her name is not really Mary Beth. It's just Beth. I don't want you to talk yet, okay? Just don't breathe in it or anything. Just stay right there. And so, um, but historically, there was a guy by the name of David. And it's kind of ironic that, as Bill brought up, the first people called to go see the birth of Christ and to see the baby child. It wasn't the wise men, it was the shepherds. There was a time that Saul had become corrupted as a king, and God told uh, the prophet Samuel to go and find the next king. And he went to the guy's house by the name of uh, Jesse, and he had seven sons that come before him. And he said, is any of these him? And Samuel said, no. And he goes, is this all your sons? And this is, stay with me because we're closing. He said, no, I've got one more that's still out in the field. I've got one more that still hasn't come in yet. And you know that some of you in this room are the one that hasn't come yet. You're the one who's still out there tending to what you've always done. You've always behaved the way you've always behaved. You've always believed and thought the way you've always believed and thought. But everything in the family is on hold because of you. Make sense? For such a time as this, you were here. For such a time as this, you've come from where you've come from. For such a time as this, God is trying to bring you to a place and lead your family in a way you've never had before. David, they waited. Nobody even sat down until they went and found where he was with the sheep, and he came in. And when the young guy walked in, here's the thing, he was the most unlikely. And you may look at yourself and say, I'm the most unlikely. How could God ever think about me? Because that's the way God works. He doesn't always do the obvious he reaches into a person's life that's not obvious, and he changes everything. Think about that. We're going to sing, Are You Ready? We, we hope you have a, an awesome afternoon. You know there's no service tonight. I hope you have a great time with your family. And I was telling someone this week, it's about the age, same age as me, I went into a business, and uh, actually it's Allie's dad, Mark Jackson. And I went and talked to him, and we were talking about Christmas. And I said, I'm trying to do better with Christmas. How many of you have ever been, ah, oh, bah humbugs into Christmas? Get it over with. Buy the gifts. Get me out the door. I'm sick of it. Anybody? I'm the only one. Two of us. All right. That's kind of how men are sometimes, but I've tried to be sweeter this year. I've tried to be a little more attentive and do some things my wife asked me to do after the second or third time instead of the 10th or 12th or, or, or doing it yesterday because Christmas is tomorrow, whatever. But uh, I said, you know, Mark, you and I don't know how many more Christmases we have. And how many of us in here may not have very many or any more? How can we not take time to enjoy our family? So from our family to you guys, we wish you a Merry Christmas.